You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs. It's Unnecessary Roughness, presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. We know there's a big body of work with Brian Hoyer being in their system and in several different locations, you know, twice in New England and now being in Las Vegas. And then, you know, we were able to see O'Connell play in the preseason and did a lot of work on him, you know, coming out of the draft, you know. So um, he's, a, he's a guy that we definitely have to be prepared for as well. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Live from Buffalo Wild Wings, here's your boy Q. Q. Chargers head coach Brandon Staley right there talking about the Raiders quarterbacks, the options that they have. Jimmy G obviously is QB1. If not him, is it Hoyer? If not him, is it Aiden O'Connell? There's Brandon Staley again talking about the quarterbacks that the Raiders have as options. As we kick off our number two of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. We're live at Buffalo Wild Wings. Mall ring circle. You can't miss us. Come on by. As soon as you walk in the door, you'll see us, and you get hooked up. we got some T-shirts left, some hats left, got some koozies left. We got the hookup for you. We got some tickets for you as well. So come on by and say what's up. As we kick off our number two of the sh- uh, show, we do it with one of our friends, Gilbert Manzano, Monday Morning Quarterback, SI.com. And, Gilbert, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We appreciate you. And it's already in the week four of the NFL season, which is crazy, man. It's a quarter of the season already basically in the books. It got underway last night as the Lions topped the Packers uh, in Lambeau Field. So that's their second primetime victory that they've had this season. How real are these Detroit Lions, Gilbert? Yeah, you know they're they're pretty good, Q, and, and, and like again, good to hear your voice, good to be on the show. And I was thinking when I was watching Sam Laporta go downfield and get that 35 yard reception, and then Jerry Groff throwing the touchdown to Amarazi Brown, and then that David Montgomery getting three touchdowns, seeing Jack Campbell, Deion Branch, and I just want to say, Q, I was wrong about the Detroit Lions. <laughs> Anything they do, they're getting it right. Shout out to Dan Campbell and the GM Brad Holmes because. If you want a blueprint for how to rebuild the franchise, I might be talking to the Raiders. I don't know, Q. Right. But when it comes to rebuilding, especially the long-term plan, none of this kind of quick game where you're trying to be like the Buccaneers with Tom Brady or Stafford with the Rams. Like, a true teardown and rebuild, the Lions are doing it. The first year, they, they focused on the trenches with Tanae Sewell. They got Amon Rossi Brown. I think it was a fourth-round draft pick. Yeah. And then saying goodbye. DeAndre Swift is playing well, but saying goodbye to Swift, and Jamal Williams, bringing in Jamar Gibbs and Montgomery, like, it fit their style. Like, they know their identity. They know the way they want to play. And every move, every player that was making plays yesterday was like, yep, they got that right, that right, that right. And then today, Jameson Williams, oh, he's back from suspension two games earlier. So everything's going right for Detroit. Yeah, it really is. And it's funny, I started off the show saying that I, I, I've been telling everybody, I, a matter of fact, I told you, I'd rather be late to the party on the Lions than the first to the party. I told everybody when I started the show, I think I better go get ready for the party because it seems like the Lions are having a party that I need to be a part of. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right, Q. Uh, you know, I, I'm kind of kicking myself because I, even even before Thursday night, I was having a little bit of doubt about the Lions. Like, yeah, they beat a Falcons team and doesn't really have a quarterback. They lost to the Seahawks, and maybe that week one game was a fluke in Kansas City. They were just pretty hyped up, and, and they won that game. And I was asking myself, hey, if the Packers are healthy with Christian Watson and Aaron, Aaron Jones, it might be a real race here for uh, the NFC North here. Because I really like what, the, what Jordan Love has done. And then, you know, you could tell one, one team is a way more inexperienced offensively. The other team is just clicking. And, and, and they could beat you in so many ways. They have firepower. Jared Goff, the Goff interceptions are kind of troubling. But they have so many weapons to score. If they want to get into a shootout, you want a tough, gritty game. Oh, give it to Dave Montgomery because we have the 
best offensive line. I don't know about the Eagles are up there, so it might be tough to say there. But they have they're good in the trenches, both sides. Aiden Hutchinson uh, running the I mean uh, going after the quarterback. So yeah. they might need a little more defensively, but they've shown they could they could kind of hang in these kind of tough games. So if they if they face a team that, that that's very well balanced, like a Buffalo Bills kind of thing, and they find themselves in either a shootout or in a physical match. They they have every way to beat you, so that's pretty impressive there. But they are still young. They haven't won a division since 1993. That'd be the first step for this team. You know, what do you think about Jared Goff, right? I mean, the Rams got rid of him, right? They were ready to move on from. They wanted Matt Stafford. It worked out, right? The Rams win the Super Bowl, and Jared Goff is the former first round pick, number one overall. That's kind of like the forgotten thing. Oh yeah, by the way, we'll throw Jared Goff in there too. But he's taken on the identity of this team. He's taken on the identity of Dan Campbell. He's got that blue collar approach. He was even talking trash after the game last <laughs> night to Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, what what have you thought about overall from uh, just what you see from Jared Goff? Yeah, I love that from Jerry Goff, calling out uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. And, and it's nothing kind of like, hey, I'm so mad at you. You're just having fun with it. That's, yeah. that's, that's the way that's the way you feel uh, when you're playing so well. you kind of just, you know, going with, with, with the beat and having fun. Uh, but, you know, in terms of Jerry Goff, the one thing I was thinking to myself, you know, seeing him do well after the interception, throwing the touchdown, and then leading a good charge there for, for the offense is like the way the, – the way, every time Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell have, have talked about something that's been – you know, a, a question on, hey, why'd you do that move? Or, or why'd you draft that guy? And, and, you know, why are you taking on a salary to Jared Goff? They always spoke really highly, like, hey, you don't see it right now, but we have a plan here. And a lot of times, Q, when teams start getting a little attention or they start winning, they kind of listen more to the public and they kind of go away from the culture. So, you know, when you're building up guys and say, hey, you're coming in here, you're not some kind of just salary dump here so you get two first-round picks. Like, we like the way you play quarterback. We're trying to build something here, and you're going to be our guy. And, yeah, I'm sure there was probably, like, a thing where, like, hey, you got to prove it to us because that's always the case. you got to prove it somehow. And the way he played last year, uh, it really showed a lot to Brad Holmes. Like, hey, you're the guy. We actually got it right with you. We're going to go all in. And all the reports in the draft leading up, they had the number five or number six pick in the draft. They were going for a cornerback. They wanted Devin Witherspoon. And when Witherspoon got taken by the Seahawks, they went elsewhere. They weren't. I know, I know Richardson was drafted by then so for the quarterback. But it just felt like they were never – in it for a quarterback. They actually had their own plan to keep building what they had. They weren't trying to go backwards. So that tells you they were pretty much in on Jared Goff last year for what they did. And to go from a, a, a pretty struggling year uh, in the year one of the regime to set the foundation was big. And then number two, the season number two, they won, what, six or seven of the last eight games. And then now they look like a legit playoff team. So everything is going on track. And that starts by believing in your guys and showing them kind of a way, hey, you, you're a part of this franchise. And go out there and play, and you, you do you do your thing at the end of the day. Yeah, no, and they're, and they're doing their thing. They're sitting in first place right now in the NFC North, so you got to give them a lot of credit for that. Again, Gilbert Manzano is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness, scatter shooting around the NFL with Gilbert. How about on the other side of things last night? You had the Packers and Jordan Love. He got sacked five times going back to the Lions in their trenches. Man, they're dominating. But what have you seen from uh, Jordan Love in a you know small sample size? Can he possibly be the guy that the Packers build around? Yeah, you know, I, I've been very impressed with Jordan Love, but one of the biggest question marks I had going into the season for the Packers, and a lot of people actually gave me a lot of, you know, like, uh, flack for this. Like, hey, like, what are you talking about? I was worried about the offensive line. I'm like, yeah, the offensive line is pretty nice when they're healthy, but when has David Bakhtiari been healthy the last couple of years? And I'm like, that's really concerning. You didn't draft any younger guys. But, yeah, when you're starting five us together, Jordan Love, Jordan Love should be in good hands. That's a good offensive line, but – there's a reason why Aaron Rodgers got beat up last year. There's a reason why Aaron Rodgers' numbers took a dip. That offensive line had trouble, and now with the injuries, it kind of it, it's falling apart. But 
before uh, uh, Jenkins went out to guard there, they, they were doing well because they didn't have Aaron Jones. They didn't have Christian Watson. But when you have the starting five, it gives you so much time to get the younger guy like a Jaden Reed or a Romeo Dobbs going. And it was working for a couple of weeks, and it just fell apart. I got a very good Detroit team. So that is the biggest question mark for this Packers team. Can they get the offensive line back together? Because when they are, you know, in a decent shape, Jordan Love has done a great job. You know, he's still inexperienced. He got a little rattled on, on his first primetime game, but he has a strong arm that showed good command of the offense. And, you know, Jaden Reed looks like a good rookie. Romeo Dobbs is looking like he's, a, he's impressive in year two. So that's been without Christian Watson. So I do like Jordan Love, but the inexperience and the injuries really caught up to them yesterday. Yeah, Matt LaFleur, the head coach, did not look very happy. <laughs> he did no, not look very that, happy yeah. at all after the game. He was talking, and, man, he was you could tell he was pretty angry. And that it starts there in the trenches, man. they got to get those that, that offensive line, that defensive line uh, squared away. Really, the offensive line squared away, or Jordan Love's going to – he ain't going to be able to throw the rock at all. Again, Gilbert Manzano is our guest here, Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Wanted to ask you about the Dolphins, and what do you think about them after they put up 70 points on Denver? Uh, of course, we're all going to re- overreact, not overreact, we're going to react to what we saw, but how good are these Miami Dolphins? Yeah, they're very good, Q. Like, I still can't believe, uh, you know, they dropped 70 points and over 700 total yards in a game, and I honestly gave up on that game. Like, maybe, you know, before halftime, I started paying attention to other games around the league. And then I just hear uh, Scott Hampton on Red Zone saying, 70 points. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm watching a college football game here. So the, the thing that's been most impressive here is that, you know, Mike McDaniel came into Miami as a, as a, as a guru or the brains behind the Kyle Shanahan running scheme. And they haven't really been this, like, smash mouth, you know, run-heavy offense. And they've, they're finally getting that. And the one thing I appreciate about Mike McDaniel and Frank Smith, the OC, they went into Miami saying, Okay, what kind of personnel we have here? What can we what can we build here as a system to suit your strengths as a, as players? And it was going downfield with Tua. Yeah, Tua didn't have the best arm, but he's he's deadly accurate. And if you get the ball out quick because he's good at that, let your playmakers make the, make make plays in space. But now they're getting the balance attack. This is this is the bread and butter for Mike McDaniel. It's, the expertise is coming out for him in the football. So again, like, the, like the, at the line, this is a different. This was a different level. The Lions are beating teams in different ways. The Dolphins are doing the same thing, but at a much higher uh, level of play. So you want to be in a shootout uh, like the Chargers game in week one, no problem. We're going to win that way. Or you want to have a, a tough game in week two with the Patriots, no problem. We have enough offense. We'll take a couple of beatings here from the defense. We'll figure it out. And then when you're the Broncos, we have you have no offense. You have no defense. You saw what happened in Miami. So it's a different level here, but I'm very intrigued for the, for the, the Buffalo game because, like I mentioned, Buffalo has a top 10 offense, top 10 defense. And the Dolphins' defense is still a work in progress. So will Buffalo try to slow it down with, you know, the, the 12 personnel and the run-heavy scheme to avoid a track meet? But if it's a track meet, man, like, you know the, the, the Dolphins are going to go out for, in big style. Man, you ain't lying. They got a 4 by 100 team, right? I mean, they could just go out there and they get it done. They, they would make Al Davis proud with all the speed that they have going on down there in South Beach with the Miami Dolphins. And Tua's a guy that a lot of people had questions about. I had questions if he could stay healthy or not. He's out there balling right now. He got a little bulked up a little bit over the offseason. You know, he got tatted up. It looks like he's got a little bit more of an attitude. What have you thought about Tua through, uh, through a handful of games so far? Yeah, uh, I'm just happy that Ryan Clark gave him an apology on the airways of ESPN or on yeah. podcast because <laughs> he got that so wrong about Tua, and a lot of people did. And, you know, it, it was, I'll say, it was fair to question his durability. He's had a lot of injuries, you know, in college with the hip. He had a couple of concussions last year or even throughout his career. 
But the one thing that we saw, and this credit to Mike McDaniel, they, they, they knew this guy could play. He's a good quarterback. And, and there's a couple, it's been a couple of like sideline, you know, Mike sub sessions where, where Mike McDaniel telling Tua, hey, your, your technique was trash, man. You weren't, you weren't a finished product. So we right. forget that part that he's still young. And then when Mike McDaniel came in, like, I could work with this. They were making plays downfield. They were an explosive offense. I think he was leading the league in, in uh, passer rating before he got hurt. And then people just kind of went back to the injuries. Okay, you, you can't count on that guy to, to stay healthy. And even Miami is probably having some doubts because uh, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, these guys all are in the same quarterback class. They all, they all signed their big contracts here. So there was that with two, and I think it was more about durability. So he can make it this whole season healthy and just doing what he's doing as a, as a favorite now to win the MVP. That, that's wild to think of for Tua, who has had yeah. such a rocky career. And then pay this guy his money, and it might be better to wait because, as you know, Q, the longer you wait, that money keeps going up for quarterbacks. So he might cash in a bigger contract. And uh, I don't know, about, I don't know about bigger than Joe Burrow, but maybe better better than uh, uh, Justin Herbert because you know if he's winning, he's winning in the playoffs. He deserves that bag, and he's just been pretty. He's just been pretty accurate, making it work, and they're just having so much fun in Miami with Tua. You know, clearly that's what I'm doing wrong in my career, right? I, I guess I've been waiting and waiting and waiting to try to get the bigger bag, and I haven't got any of the bags yet. So maybe, <laughs> maybe I should have tried to get mine first. <laughs> now they're now they're changing they're changing their mind. They're like, yeah, we don't want to pay this guy after all. But uh, no, it's it's funny, man. Tua, it's it's so funny how Tua and Justin Herbert are kind of tied at the hip because for the longest, Miami Dolphin fans were upset that they didn't draft Herbert, right? They drafted Tua instead, and now they're happy with what they have. So let me transition to Herbert and the Chargers. The Raiders are obviously traveling to L.A. to take on the Chargers this Sunday. What have you seen from Herbert and uh, this new-look offense under Kellen Moore? Yeah, uh, the Chargers should just give Justin Herbert 50 throws per game and just, just kind of see what happens. Because when he, when he gets the ball like that, it was 40 out of 47, 406 yards, whatever it was, no turnovers. That was impressive. And, yeah. you know, with Justin Herbert, the, the one thing now that he's getting paid 50, $52 million per season you better be clutch. You better win in crunch time. You better do it. And his rookie year and then going up to that game in, in week 18 of the 2021 season, this guy was nothing but clutch, crunch time. You know, they fell short in Las Vegas, but he was there battling the whole time. And then they get that, that you know, kind of a clunky season in 2022. They make the playoffs. They, they lose to the Jaguars. That, that was a game. 27-0, you lose that. I don't care what happens to anybody else on the, on the roster making, you know, bullheaded plays. You're the quarterback. The attention's going to come to you. And sometimes when you need a freaking touchdown or a field goal, you, you got to lift the team. And Herbert hasn't really done that. And I know week one in Miami, it was kind of a blow-for-blow blow kind of thing. But, again, they had the, last, the ball last. It couldn't come through. And then Tennessee, overtime, he had a couple of misfires. So he needed a pretty much big game to say, okay, I know people are going to overreact on a weekly basis, but he reminded people that this guy's still a stud. He deserves that contract. So I don't know what's going on with Kellen Moore or Brandon Staley because – the defense hasn't been that great, uh, Q, for Brandon State. We all know that. Right. So is Kellen Moore being asked, hey, can you have a more of a balanced attack because our defense needs to rest more on the sidelines? Can you just run the ball and be a little more longer drive? So I was really frustrated with the play calling for Kellen Moore. Like, just push the ball down the field. You have Justin Herbert. In week three, when he needed a game, and they were, they were facing 0-3 record, they just said F it and go ahead, Justin Herbert. So if they keep more of that style, I think they'll be fine. But – they're still trying to fill each other out defensively and with the play calling on Kellen Moore's side. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, they're putting up big points, right? And the Raiders haven't done that yet. They haven't gone over 20 points yet one time this season. So let's close out with this. Let's close out with the Raiders. And, I mean, you covered the Raiders right here in Vegas for a long time. You obviously cover the whole NFL like a glove. So I know I can ask you this. You have a great answer. 
What do you think has gone wrong so far for the Silver and Black with Jimmy G at the at the quarterback position? They just haven't got this offense with all these weapons that they have. Haven't got them jump started. Yeah, you you know one of the biggest problems, and I and I was and I was kind of buying into the Raiders because like man, like when you have a a, a premier player at wide receiver, Devontae Adams, a, a premier player at running back, and Josh Jacobs, and you know I know that was the line's been shaky, but they've been fine. And then Jimmy G knows the system. Okay, you want to play his ball control style, time of possession. Run the football, be balanced, play action, throw it to Devontae. He's going to be open, you know, eight times out of ten, probably even nine out of ten, times right. out of ten. Uh, but when you play this ball control, time of possession stuff, you got to be perfect. A lot of things need to go right. Game script, you need, you need to jump out to a big lead. you got to establish a run. So you're asking a lot of perfection from different types of sides, even for the defense. you got to hold it down. You can't give up scores because you're behind ten points. Uh, you don't have the style of personnel to keep up in a shootout. So... It works sometimes, like like the Vikings when they're winning one score games last year. You know, eleven one score games are ridiculous, but it happened. And when you're asking for perfection, <laughs> that's not a good recipe. So I bought into it because they did have the personnel to do it. You know, I know the defense is a little question mark there, but when you have good pass rushers, you know, people were hoping Tyree Wilson would do something. People were hoping that Challenge Jones would be okay, and, and obviously that hasn't worked out. You know, we're going to get from Max Crosby every single Sunday, uh, but you're just asking for too much. And and sometimes you start panicking when things when you're getting uh, Josh Jacobs being minus two yards in the game. Right. You know, you, you can always count on a Devontae Adams touchdown bomb because it happened in Buffalo. You know, it happened in, with the Steelers game. But it's just like you got to have a perfect game script for you to for things to work out. And you know, I know that that Josh McDaniels wants somebody to run his scheme, but it kind of just feels like you traded Derek Carr for Jimmy G, and not much really changed there. So. Right. The, the the ask was, hey, can you run a perfect game plan? And that has not occurred. It just kind of felt like a recipe recipe for disaster. But it, it could have worked, but so far it hasn't. Well, okay, let me ask you this question to close things out. Obviously, Jimmy G is in concussion protocol. I feel like he's going to play, but you know how it is. He's got to clear concussion protocol before he can even be considered uh, to be able to go out there and play on Sunday. Um, they've got Brian Hoyer and they've got Aiden O'Connell. Aiden O'Connell did some really good things in the preseason although it was the preseason. So if Jimmy G can't go on Sunday, what direction do you think the Silver and Black should go with their quarterback position? I want to say Brian Hoyer because he knows the, the offense. He knows Josh McDaniel. He's a veteran. But you know where you're going to get, right? Like You're not going to get an offensive explosion of 20-point performance right. here with Brian Hoyer. And you're seeing the Chargers and Justin Herbert. Like, yeah, they can't defend the football uh, on the defensive side, but they can score points in a hurry. They could definitely get 24 points on your defense. So if you fall behind... Uh, you pretty much have no chance because you know what Hoyer's going to do. You know, he, he kind of has the same style as Jimmy G, but Jimmy G just, just does it at a better level. He gives you a better chance. And with Adrian Connor, you don't know what's going to happen. He, he's a, a mid-round draft pick. He did well in the preseason, but it's still his first – it will be his first start in the NFL. And that's a lot to ask for from a rookie. But I think when you're one and two, your offense is kind of broken. You're looking for a spark. And it's similar to the Jets where you kind of know – all right, Zach Wilson, he's not going to get it done for a spark here. You, might, you, you mm-hmm. could maybe get safe here, get a couple of points on special teams, maybe a pick six. You feel you feel confident the game script went your way. That might not occur with Brian Hurst. So I would just say I'm, it is me being reckless and taking a chance. <laughs> I, like what Aiden, I like what Aiden O'Connell did. It just give the guy a chance. You're one and two. You need a spark. You just never know. that. Just, just see what, the NFL works that way. Like You never know. You give a guy a chance, they do well. But I get it. It's really early in the season. I'd just rather go. 
you know, a little more reckless side than a really safe approach. I love the fact that you said I'm going reckless. I love it. I love it. We've, we've had, cause we've had this conversation a lot and I keep saying, if you put Aiden O'Connell in there, I feel like you need to dedicate like, okay, Hey, go ahead. It's, it's yours. And, you yeah. know, just, just don't, just don't crash the car. Right. Go ahead. And, because you know, it's going to take more than one game. So that's why I say, I think Brian Hoyer should get the one week start. If it's going to be multiple weeks, then let Aiden O'Connell do it. But if it's only going to be one week, I think it should be Brian Hoyer. But I love the fact that you broke it down and you said you're going to get reckless. So I got to keep it honest, but Hey, maybe you start Brian Hoyer and, and things go sideways. Then you have nothing to lose and put it in. Aiden yeah. O'Connell. I get that too. That's a good compromise too. I liked it. I liked it. Well, that's why we asked the questions, Gilbert. Fantastic stuff, man. Great work on a Monday morning quarterback. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, yeah, you know, usually by now, you know, I have all my game picks. I have all my predictions. I do a couple of betting, uh, betting uh, stories, too. You know, you, you rent the, you know, picks and uh, total for over-under bets. I check that out at SI.com. Uh, and, yeah, you know, usually on Sundays I work on four stories. I do, you know, things that I learn from games. Uh, I try to kind of, you know, have fun with it by saying, okay, well, the Dolphins win 15 games after dropping 70 points, things like that. So just check out the website. Uh, I'm always posting a lot of stories, especially on Sundays and Mondays. All right, sounds good, man. It's always great catching up with you. I appreciate you. Enjoy the games this weekend, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, Q. Appreciate the time as always, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Great stuff. Fantastic stuff, as a matter of fact. Gilbert Manzano, SI Now, Monday morning quarterback at GManzano24 on Twitter if you're looking for him. Uh, fantastic breakdown, scatter shooting, all things NFL. That's a lot of fun, especially uh, at the end of the week. Uh, I thought that that was some really good stuff, just kind of getting you into the NFL weekend. So uh, there you go, some really good stuff from Gilbert. We're here at Buffalo Wild Wings inside the uh, – not inside the Galleria Mall, but uh, if Mall Ring Circle, we're right outside the Galleria Mall. You cannot miss us. Just come on over here, hang out. We still have a couple T-shirts left. We got some tickets left. It looks like I got a, some Power Trip tickets, and I didn't even realize that. Uh, Power Trip winners right here. Okay. I got a couple Power Trip winners. That's a heck of a concert. Guns N' Roses, Iron Maiden, ACDC, Judas Priest, Metallica, Tool. These are like $1,500 tickets I got. I can't believe they let me out the building with these kind of tickets. So uh, there you go. You want the hookup? I got the hookup. Like three people just stood up as soon as I said that uh, here. They're like, wait, hold on, $1,500 tickets? Okay, we're going to go ahead and make that move. So, yeah, they're here for you. All you got to do is come on by, say what's up, and uh, we'll get you laced up just like that. My man Angel's here holding it down as well. Uh, Definitely appreciate him and his efforts. Uh, I said at the top of the show that nobody really expects the Raiders to win this game. And Oh, side note, programming note, Gilbert mentioned betting. We're supposed to have Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com on the show. He just hit me up during, the, during the, the, the conversation with Gilbert and said he's not available. So, side note, we won't have Lee at 430. We apologize for that. We'll hear from head coach Josh McDaniels, though, at that point because uh, we had, we had uh, some time with him earlier today at the Intermountain Health Performance Center. So, apologies. We won't get Lee Sterling uh, out of our control, but we'll, uh, we'll do better to get him next week for sure here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. But earlier today, I was watching NFL Network, Good Morning Football. It's one of my uh, go-tos each and every day, and they were talking about they kind of do a, a Maniac Monday or a, not Maniac Monday, a, a, like Mad Minute or whatever the case may be with every single game, and they kind of break it down and let you know where they're leaning. So, of course, they had to talk Chargers. The Raiders, hear that conversation. Quick minute. The Raiders' defense does not have a takeaway. They don't have a single interception or fumble recovered or anything through three games. That is very unusual, especially for a pass rush that you think is disruptive. And Crosby, you can't win games like that. Your offense isn't that good, especially if Garoppolo's banged up. That defense was supposed to carry them. 
Herbert's not going to throw you that many either. I, I, I don't see a, a way that the Vegas wins this one. I really don't. I'd like them in it, but I think Chargers win. Well, if they do win or they're competing, it's going to be because Devontae Adams is making yeah. plays. He had words to say after their last loss, and he talked about culture, and we can't continue to go this way. How does he play for the Chargers on the other side? In their secondary, J.C. Jackson's been benched. He came out this week and said he doesn't understand what the heck's going on. So I want to see what Devontae Adams is able to do against this secondary if they're able to step up and try to stop him. Yeah, that's if Jimmy plays. Is, right? And if not, is it Hoyer? Is it O'Connell? Yeah. Where are the Raiders going? I do know that Austin Eckler wants to be on the field. And if you're a fantasy owner, you want to see him on the field. Mm-hmm. Ian Rapport had a very good report earlier today that Eckler wants to get out there. If the Chargers win this, they're 2-2. Two and two, And all that hysteria over the first two weeks, well, they're a 500 team going into week five. Things are going to be just fine. There you go. Good, good morning football right there. Not a lot of uh, belief in the Raiders. Again, they're five-and-a-half point underdogs in this game. And uh, normally Lee Sterling would go ahead and break it down for us at 4.30 on Fridays, but he's not able to join us on today's show, unfortunately. Again, out of our control. We apologize for that. So uh, there you go. The question I threw out there to you, we'll have Paul Gutierrez from ESPN join us in just a few minutes. I threw the question out there, and you can respond on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. What will be the path to victory for the silver and black? If the Raiders are going to win, what will the path to victory be? And what do you expect from running back Josh Jacobs? Can he get 100 yards on the day? It'll be his first 100-yard game of the season. Brad in Concord said, I doubt Jacobs hits 100. I wish he would, but it seems like he's still getting his legs back and timing with the blockers. Blocking for him has been atrocious, but getting him rolling is the main key to the game. Speaking of the Lions, Dan Campbell is an example of a coach style we need. He's big with a WWE presence. Even Del Rio and Gruden had a big presence. Now it's someone in press conferences that bites their lips, takes, <laughs> takes stalling sips, talks circles, and looks like a guilty suspect under the light in the interrogation room. Not that I would know. <laughs> I want him to succeed, but it seems like the players would feel this too. That's Brad and Conklin. And Brad, thanks for the text. And I'll tell you, man, Dan Campbell, I, I, I didn't know what to expect when he was the head coach, when he was named the head coach of the Lions. I didn't buy the whole biting kneecaps off and all that Hard knocks, rah-rah stuff. I didn't buy it at all. But I'll tell you what, the people who bought it were the people in the locker room, and that's all that matters, right? Those people, they, they really um, embraced what he was selling, and they really have taken on the identity of their head coach, and they're, it's paying off for them. And like I've told anyone that's listening a million times that I would be late to the party that is the Detroit Lions as I started off the show. I've got to get to the party. I've got to get to the room and clean up and get ready for that party because it seems like that party's coming and the Detroit Lions have earned it. So uh, thanks for that text. I do appreciate you. 69187, keyword r Keep those texts coming. Tell us the path to victory for the Silver and Black on Sunday. And also, what do you think about Josh Jacobs? Can he get his first 100-yard rushing game of the season? 69187, keyword r Paul Gutierrez from ESPN joins us next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Porta Subs. Make sure you check out Porta Subs six foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made to order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh baked bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six foot trays serve 12 to 16 people so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at PortaSubs.com. I feel like you grow with preparation and practice. That's why I come and go hard every day and, you know, get the best each and every day. And I don't care what other people say. Uh, it matters what my teammates say and, you know, what the organization says. Just really uh, slowing the game down and be able to play different blocks and, you know, just develop my pass rush habits and really just focusing on that get off to put stress onto offensive tackles and, you know, affect the quarterback. 
Now back to Unnecessary Roughness, live at Buffalo Wild Wings with your boy Q. That's the rookie right there, Tyree Wilson, number seven overall pick out of Texas Tech. Hasn't made an impact on the Raiders' defense yet. Maybe this will be the week that you start to see a little something-something from the young man out of East Texas. Joining us now on the phone lines is a guy that makes an impact each and every way he goes and every time he joins us on the show, and that's Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. And, Paul, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate you as always. I guess the biggest question going into this game is going to be who's the trigger man, right? Uh, Jimmy G is in concussion protocol limited in practice for the second day in a row. What do you think? What's the gut feeling telling you about the quarterback position on Sunday? Uh, the gut feeling tells me this, that if Jimmy Garoppolo gets on that plane, then he's the starting quarterback. If he doesn't get on the plane, well, then obviously he's not going to play at all. And right. uh, if you get the sense that, that it might be AOC time. I, you know, I, I don't know. There's just a, a feeling about it. I'm not making any off-the-record, on-the-record predictions or anything like that, but it just, it just seems to me that Jimmy, Jimmy's the guy, and, and obviously he's practiced the last two days. Uh, and, and and that's the, the the risk you're taking is if he goes out there and he gets hit again in the head and suffers another concussion, well that would be the second in less than a week, and you just you know you're going to lose him for a longer time than that. So my mind, who gives you the best chance to win? And that's Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously. So you just kind of roll with it from there. I did talk to Aiden in the locker room real briefly before the locker room period closed, and and uh, you know he seemed like he's he's taking it differently in that. The way he prepares for a game, he prepares as if he's going to play, knowing that he's not going to play. This week's been different because he's preparing to play in case he might actually play. Um, I said, hey, I can't imagine you guys have been told one way or the other yet who's going to play. He looked at me with a straight face and said, no, no, we haven't heard anything. We're still waiting. Um, As soon as I hear, you guys will hear too. You guys are going to hear at the same time we do. And I looked at him and I said, I don't believe you. But thank you for the time. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't either. I don't believe that we'll find out anytime soon who's going to be that quarterback. And, you know, this has been a good conversation that we've had here, Paul, back and forth about, you know, Jimmy G, Brian Hoyer, Aiden O'Connell. And, you know, I've been in the camp of if it's going to be a one week that Jimmy G is going to miss, that just it, it might as well be Brian Hoyer. And then if you're going to yeah. dedicate some weeks, like c- consistent weeks to, to Aiden O'Connell, then throw him out there. But I don't think the start and stop is good for his development and really learning what he can even bring to the table. But what do you think the best approach is for getting a rookie into the game? It just kind of depends upon what the, the message is to the rest of the team, right? I mean, if you go full on in with the rookie at this point, maybe he does catch fire. Maybe he does, and, and Tom Brady wasn't a rookie, and I'm not comparing him to Tom Brady, but, you know, when he came in for Drew at the time, he was – Bledsoe was, was the, the league $100 million man. So when right. you brought in a younger quarterback – that was out of necessity, but it wasn't necessarily throwing in the towel either. There's a weird sense that this early in the season, if you do go with, with Aiden, that there's a sense of not necessarily throwing in the towel, but okay, well, we really are kind of starting over here and we're going to see what happens. And then you start hearing, then you start hearing the rumors about the, the fire sale, whether it's yeah. Hunter Renfro or even Devontae Adams or even Josh Jacobs, uh, guys that, uh, you know, their contracts could actually make that happen. So it, there's, there's a lot of, unwritten things, unseen things that would go with any type of a quarterback switch at this point. And yet, at the end of the day, the question I always ask myself and anyone else that's around and would listen is, who gives you the best chance to win? And right now it's Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. I agree. I agree 100%. It should be interesting, man. I didn't know that this kind of conversation was going to come up in week four of the season, but here we are, right? So uh, it's never a dull moment when it's talking about the silver and black. Well, outside of the quarterback position, this offense has not been good, right? I mean, they haven't scored 20 points yet. What do you think it's going to take to get this thing jump-started? It all starts up front. 
and, and let me back up a little bit here too regarding the quarterback situation is I wrote and I had to look it up again that uh, I think I believe it was in my training camp preview was if we see Aiden O'Connell at any point in this season that means that something went terribly horribly wrong yep. and I guess I have to kind of stick by that right I mean I think you and I actually talked about that in training camp as well yep. but when it comes to the quarterback and Jimmy hasn't played it like we all thought he would at this point it's kind of hard when you're getting sacked when you're handing the ball off. It's kind of hard when you, you can't get to your third or fourth read because you got somebody, a defensive lineman, in your lap. And that, to me, is where it all kind of starts and stops is the offensive line has not been giving him the time that he needs. And I know Derek Carr, haters, fans, whatever, they say, well, you weren't that critical of Derek. Well, that was nine years of watching that. This is three games. Right. You know, so – it starts and ends with that offensive line and giving him some time. He took an absolute beating against the Steelers. Yep. And like I said, you're getting sacked when you're handing the ball off. That is a tale that starts up front with the offensive line. And if those guys can, can get things going, I know the, 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 the thing is, if they can get the running game going against the Chargers, that's going to open up the play action. That opens up other things downfield. Okay, great. But, but any game, any football game, it always starts with that offensive line and either the time or the lack thereof that the quarterback is getting. Yeah, and, man, you're right. Jimmy was getting beat up on Sunday night against the Steelers. They took advantage of him early and often. And, yeah, that uh, – and, and, you know, Lincoln pointed out to me that, that that offensive line has to play more physical, and that's just desire and yep. want to. I don't understand why they're not playing more physical. I mean, they're pretty much the same offensive line outside of they have Van Roten in there now instead of Bars. What I'm seeing and what I'm kind of, you know, I haven't talked to Lincoln about it yet. Um, I definitely want to, but I, I listen to the games when I'm covering them. I listen yeah. to the radio broadcast. I listen to Lincoln because he's phenomenal. Yep. Not only is he my co-author for the book, right? <laughs> he's Walt Good Talk, <laughs> there's a plug. Yep. But he's also a phenomenal analyst. And he, he breaks it down so simply. And he said, look, the reason they're not able to get the run game going is they cannot block the box. So I tweeted it out. And, of course, well, no, S. Sherlock. And, of course, Captain Obvious. No, it's, it's that simple. They yeah. cannot open up right in front of the center. And most of that is because they're facing nine-man, eight-man boxes up in front. So you're going eight, five against eight, who's going to win that battle? Right. Right? There's no, there's no respect for the deep passing game. And if those guys are just up there and you can't run the ball, and it just becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy where you can't run it, therefore you can't pass it because guys are in the backfield at all times, they've got to figure out something to do with the, with the scheme. What do you think about the Chargers' defense? It has not got going, really, since Brandon Staley's been there, and he's supposed to be a defensive guru. But this year, man, that defense really looks bad. Could this be a, a week where the, the Raiders' offensive line plays more physical, they open up some holes for Josh Jacobs, and he actually starts to get off? They're going to have to. And, and, again, we all talk, we look at him, and, and I've said this for years about the Chargers, their, um, their roster is always one of the more, if not the most, talented roster in the yeah. division. And, yes, I do realize the Kansas City Chiefs are still in the AFC West, but it just never really comes together for them. I mean, and then you look at the names, whether it's Bosa or Khalil Mack or the rookie who's, like, setting the league on fire as a, as a pass-rushing edge rusher uh, that the Raiders thought they were going to get out of Tyree, who, again, they didn't expect him to have to play this much this soon in the season anyway. Um, yeah, they, they've got the pieces. So if they can catch them kind of slipping a little bit and, and, and peeling their ears back and coming in. and That can set the tone with the running game. Um, they're susceptible to long runs, but then again, guess what? So are the Steelers. Yeah. Every, week is a, every game is a season unto itself. Every game presents all this tape. You think teams aren't looking at that now and looking at their chops and saying, let's put a nine-man box up there. You know, let's put, not just an eight-man. And, and, and dare them to beat us. And, and we'll see again if they respond to that challenge. 
Paul Gutierrez from ESPN is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness talking about this week four matchup, Raiders-Chargers, SoFi Stadium. You mentioned Tyree Wilson. We heard him off top coming in. Is he getting any closer? Do you feel like he's getting any more confidence in what he's doing, especially, you know, being out there and being healthy? Well, talking at, 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 the, at his locker yesterday or earlier this week, <laughs> the days are starting to melt together. But I know I he, heard he was at his locker talking and I was there. But, uh, he's, you know, the, the thing that kind of – made me think that Raider fans should have more hope at this point is, again, nobody expected him to have to play this much this soon. So you hear all the haters complaining, well, then don't draft a project with a number seven pick. I didn't hear you guys screaming that when you knew he was injured you know, right. and was just coming off with surgery. You knew that he was going to be take a while to get going. Right. And he didn't start practicing. He didn't even put his pads on you until the joint practices with the Rams right. in, what, week three of training camp. So he's still rounding in the shape. He's still getting in a football shape, let alone cardio shape. And, and what was kind of uh, refreshing was to hear him acknowledge that his get-off was really slow in the opener. And we all saw that, and we were watching it live. like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And for him to acknowledge that he needs to work on that, that's good. And he's got Max Crosby in his ear, you know, pumping him up, working with him. He's a physical specimen. I covered the 49ers for a couple of years in, in 14 and 15. And walking through that locker room and seeing Tyree, I'm like, I got to do a double take because physically and the way he speaks and everything, it, it reminds me a lot of Alden Smith. You know, yeah. he was right. And if you can get that kind of an effort and that kind of production out of an edge rusher, that's half the battle right there. That dude was such a hell of a player. Man, I, I hate that his career yeah. went the way it did. And you know, obviously off the field issues went the way they did. But Alden Smith was fantastic. Man, what a player he yeah. was. He, he was on the way to break all kind of records if he could, have, like you said, kind of stay right. Well, getting back to the silver and black real quick, you know, one of the emphasis that they had all offseason, training camp, preseason, we talked about it all the time while we were watching practice, was creating turnovers. They've had three games in a row now where they've had opportunities to come up with turnovers, but yet they have zero. Them and the Giants are the only two teams in the league that have not created a turnover yet. What is it going to take for this Raiders team to come up with a turnover? It's, like, it's almost like they, they, the turnovers fight them. Like, no, we're not going to be intercepted. We're not going to let you fumble. No, it's like I don't know what it is, but it's like turnovers just refuse to happen for the Raiders. And it was so weird because we saw a lot of it in the exhibition season. And granted, yeah. those were, were, were against guys that were either backups or no longer in the league and will never be in the league. But you saw, you saw, and again, I don't know, is that a scheme thing? Is that taking a chance at a certain time? Is that desire? Is it all right. of it together? I think it's all of it together. And you saw it, a perfect example. Marcus Peters jumped the route. Boom, he had a pick six, and the ball just bounced out of his hands. You don't see things like that with a guy, a ball hawk like that, who has so many pick sixes in his career. Does that game turn out any differently if he gets that and the Raiders go up immediately by two scores? Right. I don't know. I mean, that was so early in the game. But I think the Raiders would have loved to find out. Yeah. You know, if you can do that. So my answer to your – my long answer to your short question is I'm not sure how they happen. They do come in bunches. We know that. We're covering this game for a long time. But it's also a combination of desire and scheme and taking chances. And yet, you know, when you take those chances, you also leave yourself open for the big play, the big chunk plays downfield, too. Well, we saw that. <laughs> we saw yeah, that happen, exactly. right? Successful. Exactly. Though, that was done well. But, uh, yeah, taking, taking the ball away. And that, that Marcus Peters pick six, or should have been pick six, that drove me crazy because, Paul, that's literally what they brought him here for. Right? I mean, yeah. that's, that's why they brought him in was to create those turnovers. He jumped it. He read it perfectly. And I don't know if he started thinking about the celebration, jumping into the wind club. But I don't know what he was thinking. But there's no way you put that ball on the ground. You've got to pick that ball off. You have to. Yeah, that was tough. Because that, that, that actually deflates you. If you don't yeah. get, it's, it, it's one thing if you just knock down a pass, cool, great, celebrate, whatever. That's actually a deflating play because it was such a gimme. 
and yep. not a gimme that they just handed it to him. He diagnosed it. He broke it. He, he you know, it was yep. like, oh, and you felt the kind of the air go out of the defense on that play. Yeah, and, and, and for the Raider fans that were in the Legion, it, it kind of went out of their sails as well. Now, the Steeler fans were excited, and, well, we, we saw how it shook out the rest of the game. But, yeah, man, that was, yeah. that was a rough one. That's one you've got to have. Uh, Paul, we'll close out with this. Donald Parham Jr., he's a guy that I kind of have circled as you've got to pay attention to where he's at in this game on Sunday. Do the Raiders have someone that could defend him? <laughs> that's, you know, we're going to find out, right? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's why they, we, we go cover the game when we see. I mean, this defense has not – it's funny. We were, we were criticizing the defense through the first two weeks for not blitzing enough, not taking enough chances. Well, they, they blitzed a lot against the Steelers, and they took some chances, and that didn't work out either. So the one thing I will say is this. The Raiders are finally going to have a home field advantage. They've got to go to L.A. to get it, and we'll see if they can, they can use that, that, that 12th man, so to speak, in the field to right. uh, help them defend, uh, defend the Parham. Yeah, well, you know, look, with everything we just said, we spent 15 minutes breaking down this team and talking about the good things and the bad things about this team. They win this game, they're in second place by themselves in the AFC West, right? I mean, I know it's early in the in the season, but they'll be in second place by themselves in the AFC West when it's all said and done. So uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. That's why they play the games. Paul, great stuff as always, my man. What are you writing that we should be on the lookout for? Diving into uh, the offensive line in the run game and seeing exactly what's wrong. It's it's essentially the same offensive line as last year. You got a returning All Pro leading rusher, and it's just not going. So we'll see. You know, the tenor of that story will change depending upon what happens in L.A. But but yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm diving into right now. And then looking ahead to Monday Night Football and. Devontae Adams uh, facing his old team in the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, that's going to be a fun storyline. That'll be a fun game to diagnose because they're not looking very good and their offensive line is looking like a struggle. Maybe that's one that Tyree Wilson can get going. I don't know. I don't want to talk about Monday until we talk about Sunday. But, yeah, that's going to be a good one at Allegiant Stadium that I'm looking forward to. Great stuff as always, Paul. Safe travels to L.A., my man. I appreciate you as always. We'll catch up soon. Sounds good, man. We'll talk then. All right, there he goes. Paul Gutierrez from ESPN at P. Gutierrez ESPN on Twitter. Check him out. Always writing some really good stuff on the .com, so definitely check it out. And it all goes back, man. It all goes back to the offensive line, the offensive line, the offensive line. Not trying to call them out and saying that they're not doing a good job. They're doing a decent job when it comes to pass uh, blocking, but they just got to be more physical when it comes to the run blocking. And and then even on Sunday night, the pass blocking wasn't where it needed to be either because Jimmy G had heat on them all game long. So uh, many thanks to Paul. Definitely appreciate him and his time. 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text sign is 69187, keyword R&R. We're at Buffalo Wild Wings, Galleria Mall, Mall Circle. Come on by. Vegas Jess just made it. So you know if Vegas Jess is here, it's got to be a party. So come on by. Get hooked up. We'll take care of you in a major way. Uh, 346 at the time. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Coming up at 4 o'clock, Max Crosby, Journey Through Sobriety and Football. Carissa Thompson uh, hosted it, kind of went back and forth, a little Q&A with Max. Really good stuff. I saw it making its rounds on Twitter last night, NFL Films. They did a really good job. And, again, this was recorded back in the offseason. This was recorded when Max was, I believe, maybe out in Florida doing a little UFC action. But not that we don't know Max's sobriety story, but it was just really cool the way they put this thing together. So I thought it was well worth sharing. I know everybody's not on Twitter, and bless you for not being on Twitter. I wish that I wasn't, <laughs> but because of what we do, that's why I'm there. The minute I'm not doing this is the minute I go ghost. I go to that island all by myself, <laughs> never to be heard from again. Me and my Nikes and Cadillac and call it a day. Not that you need a Cadillac on an island, right? I don't think you do, but I'll take it. 702-365-9200, want to hear from you. How about uh, Raider Dave from Denver? Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? 
Thank you. You know, it took three games last year, and it was an 0-3 deal, so we were actually way ahead of the game by being in first and tied for first and hopefully tied for second with a win, like you say. But it took three games for the running game to get a 100-yard day. Mm-hmm. And I kind of question whether or not, since the, since the passing offensive line was so bad last year, that they might have spent a little bit more time on that this offseason than they did the running game because Josh was out. Yeah. So I don't know what is going to happen with it, but I'm not, I'm not over the moon negative on this thing. I think whatever sort of rotisserie we had with the uh, offensive linemen last year where they kept shifting people around for three or four or five games, I think we're ahead of the curve. And, you know, the Raiders usually do run well against the Chargers. And as a little boy being at the Holy Roller game, this is probably <laughs> the one team I like the Raiders to beat more than the Broncos, even though I live here. And I could jab everybody for years that the Broncos, no matter how good they are, and no matter how bad the Raiders are supposed to be, they can still go ahead and beat the Broncos. Right. But how about a challenge to the rest of Raider Nations? When you guys call in in the next hour, let's hear what your song would be to play when the Raiders win this game. I mean, some of them might not be happy with it, so they'll be like, you two still haven't found what I'm looking for. But for me, <laughs> it's KC and the Sunshine Band, dude. That's the way, uh-huh, uh-huh, I like it. Hey, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. That's a promo right there. I like that. Raider Dave in Denver, thanks so much for that call. That was fantastic, man. Good stuff. That's a good question. What would the victory song be on Sunday? Like once that clock says 0-0-0 and the Raiders are on the right side of the of the scoreboard and they get that dub, what would the what would the celebration song be? Would there be a celebration song? Hmm. It depends. You see, I go through so many different stages when it comes to music. Like, if we're at the house just chilling and kind of vibing, you know, I like the, you know, I like the little, you know, Diddy and Keisha Cole last night type vibe, right? I can get down like that. I can get down with some Jay, some Jay-Z. Pac is always good, by the way. They arrested Keefe D today. <laughs> Isn't that unbelievable? Side note, Keefe D, after 20-something years of the Pac murder being a mystery, and we've been hearing Keefe D's name for years, tied into this they finally arrest him today that's a side note anyway um but then when i'm extra hype but i don't think i could i don't think it would be this game but maybe a game that you don't expect the raiders to win and they pulled it off maybe a maybe one that 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 sent them to the playoffs like when they beat the chargers in week 18 in 2021 i would go i would go something i would go deep bay area bay area hyphy something kick to sneak Right, something like that, a little 40. You know, I would say Blow the Whistle, but that's too, that's too, everybody knows that song. Um, Super Hyphy would be one, Hyphy would be one, like Federation, little San Quinn action, something like that, man. I think that's where, I, that's like, I think that's how I'd roll. I think if the Raiders were to get a big dub like that, like a real big one, I had to celebrate, also just hit that, hit that Pandora. High fee, high fee, high fee. You know what I mean? Like, I just think that that's kind of the role that you would take, you know? Yada, yada, yada. You know what I mean? Just a little kick the sneak action. I'd be good with that. Or maybe some Mac Dre get stupid. Get stupid. Get stupid. Come and get stupid with, ah, ah, west side now. Don't hard. Make your hair go right, right? <laughs> oh, you didn't know? Dr. Dre did it, right? I mean, I just. I don't know. Now that's a I, promo. I don't know. Hey, that's fine. I'm good with that. I, I just, 
You got me on a roll now, Raider Dave. I appreciate the call, man. I don't know. I'll think about it in the commercial break. Raider Mac, I see you. We'll get you on the other side, and then we'll get to Max Crosby's journey through sobriety. We'll do it as we kick off hour number three of the show. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.